0: Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the Redeemed and Restored podcast, where we connect every Friday so that together we can intentionally discover the faithfulness of God. So today's episode of Redeemed and Restored is entitled, Red Flags Ignored. As I ponder this time in my life and so many red flags that I ignored that helped the enemy as he sought to deceive me and take me down a path that went away from where God wanted me to go, all I can do is shake my head. My pattern of avoiding conflict and confrontation, desire to please people and make sure everyone liked me did not work in my favor. I rarely responded with caution to red flags when they confronted me and continue to be taken in by people and causes that appealed to my pride, treated me special and put me in the know. I liked being a big fish in a small pond in this charming rural farm town at the base of Mount Rainier. Of course, that put me directly in alignment with the enemy of my soul, as much as I believed I was a sold out follower of Jesus. Not only was I easily deceived, but I deceived myself into thinking I'd arrived. In reality, I was still a broken mess and was just really good at being productive. So I was able to keep the trauma and pain of my growing up years, shoved down so no one would notice. I've heard it said that most of us judge others on what they do, but we judge ourselves on what we intend to do. In Psalm 1:19-29, the first part of that verse, David prays to the Lord, Keep me from lying to myself. And oh, how I have come to pray this on a regular basis. If I don't humble myself and resist the pride that wants to rule and reign in my life, then right along with the unholy realm and their whispered lies, I will surely lie to myself and believe those lies. Have you ever come to a place of realizing you've either been minimizing something that's wrong or exaggerating something that's good, moved into denial about something you don't wanna face, or maybe focusing too much on justifying something that's all wrong, but you might not want to admit it? I think in America, we're really good at lying to ourselves and listening to many other voices rather than God's soft whisper of a voice remember how isaiah 55 8 through 9 reads for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the lord as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts so i filmed the introduction to this episode number 10 right in enumclaw in front of the property that we originally began on as our y2k ministry this was a cause that kept me super busy which once again was the last thing god was trying to do in my heart and life but the more i look back and think about it i remember as we drove down this driveway to see the house and the barn on five acres of property that were for sale our daughter, Roby said, wait, I saw this in my dream. It was like a vision, like just last night. Yes, this is it. This is what I saw in my dream. So her affirmation gave us the courage to uproot everything and move ourselves and the publishing business down to Enumclaw. All these years later, I am amazed at how God orchestrated so much in my redemption and restoration that included my becoming a pastor's wife right here in Enumclaw, married to one of the most revered and well-respected pastors in town who had been in ministry here for 30-plus years. And believe it or not, when the cult actually got started in 1999 because he'd pastored in this town for so many years, He was actually on the receiving end of many calls from heartbroken parents whose kids had been taken in by Tim and Carla Williams and had proceeded to cut off their parents and other close associations in the name of Jesus. Who knew someday I would be married to him? Wow, only God. So, hey, take a moment and write a review on Apple so even more folks can find this podcast and be encouraged. Or maybe you even know someone who needs to hear this message, so please share the link with others. You may even want to visit my YouTube channel to see the video version of this podcast and connect with the conversations happening over there. Just head on over to YouTube and type Athena Dean Holtz into the search bar And you'll find the video broadcast there. So, hey, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Athena Dean Holtz here with this week's edition of Redeemed and Restored. Today's segment is titled Ignoring Red Flags. So here we were in a house church led by this very charismatic pastor, shepherd, who used to be the small group leader at a large prosperity church in the Seattle area. He was over all of their small groups. So the us versus them language was very strong. And because we owned a publishing company and were well-known in the greater Seattle area because of Point Man Ministries and the many times we'd been guests on the local TBN station, as well as other national shows, we just seemed to get preferential treatment. Also, what added to the favoritism from this pastor was just a few years earlier, I'd written a book called Consumed by Success Reaching the Top and Finding God Wasn't There. I'd been a guest on over 50 different local, regional, and national TV and radio shows, and had articles in Charisma Magazine, Today's Christian Woman, and more. I was saying something that no one else had really, I guess, had the courage to say, that multi-level marketing messed with your motives, unlike any other business model out there. Because I'd had great success with that model, my words had weight, they had credibility, because anyone else that had bad mouth multi-level marketing were those that never had any success. So it was easy For people to just write them off. But I'd made huge amounts of money in that business model and my warnings were taken much more seriously because of that. God had opened my eyes to many ways the enemy deceived me and appealed to my pride through that success. I had turned the business opportunity into an all-consuming lifestyle that had me worshipping the company, the product and the money I was making. I was inspiring people to run hard after success in network marketing instead of encouraging them to run hard after Jesus and learn to trust Him with their finances. I admitted on national TV and radio that I never suggested that people pray and ask God if they were actually supposed to get involved. I'd been trained to provide an incentive so that they jumped in without thinking or praying because they got caught up in the emotion of the sales pitch they'd heard in that opportunity meeting they were attending. In these interviews in my book, I was teaching people a truth about multi-level marketing that the only way to make it big and make a six-figure income like I did was to sell your soul. You had to sell out in order to make it big and just keep recruiting more and more people to make up for the ones who quit because they weren't willing to sell out. I confess to my motives being so messed up to the point of justifying going to church to recruit people into my downline, causing people to covet what I had and become discontent with what they had, and using my relationships for personal gain, cutting off anyone who wasn't willing to go down this road with me. Looking back on it now, the culture in multi level marketing was very and still is cult like. You surround yourself only with those who agree with you, who have winner mentality. You limit your reading material and watch only those things that endorse the American dream and network marketing opportunities. You find every positive thing you can associate with the organization, and then that confirms that you made the right decision. Yeah, that's called confirmation bias, and I've been guilty using that lots of times. That's something we all do when we don't want to admit that we just might possibly have made a mistake about this loyalty we have or the commitment we have made. I'll never forget one guy who called into a radio show I was on and he was spouting typical Amway rhetoric. I know a guy who got saved in an Amway meeting. I thought about it for a minute and replied, huh, So taking that logic, let me make sure I understand you. So if someone robs a bank and goes to jail and gets saved in jail, does that mean everyone should go rob a bank? No, it means God can save people in spite of themselves and their bad decisions. In fact, when I told you in episode six, my salvation experience, and how God used a bunch of believers in the insurance industry and the company that I was part of to help me on my path to meeting Jesus, I have to admit that the same company God used to win me to Christ was also built on that same business model of network marketing. It's where you're motivated to build a huge downline because of the payoff down the road to be able to make big money on your downline and not have to work so hard in the future. Did God use people in a company that was developed on a structure and business model that basically took advantage of people and appealed to their pride? Yep, he did. I mean, really, he can use a donkey, right? So he can use anything he wants to draw people to himself. But that doesn't necessarily legitimize the organization he used, right? So because no one had ever come out with such a strong defense against the multi-level marketing model, I was booked on so many shows, had scores of people calling into the shows, telling their stories of feeling slimed when a couple reached out to start a friendship and it turned out they really just wanted to recruit them into Amway, or heartbreaking stories of how someone's marriage was a casualty of network marketing. My public repentance for being involved in multi-level marketing was making waves in the church. Many good ones. But those who didn't want to hear that their American dream wasn't all it was cracked up to me were not at all happy with my conviction and voice against the system. So in moving down to Enumclaw, a small town of less than 6,000 people at the time, we were pretty much big fish in a small pond, so to speak. I actually remember one time going to a church over in Black Diamond, the next town over, and having the guest speaker, who was well-known as someone with kind of the gift of prophecy, he called me out of the audience, and he knew who I was and what I did. We would met him at other services and appeared on TBN with him as one of the other guests. So it wasn't like he didn't know who I was. There was familiarity there. But as he began to tell the crowd what he was sensing in the spirit, he made the claim that he'd never met me, nor did he know me. He went on to say that he believed the written word was significant in my ministry. And he pronounced all these blessings and strategic growth from the Lord that was about to come our way. Wow how wrong he was. What was about to come our way was the worst deception ever. So as we grew along with the house church, I began to volunteer to take care of the church bookkeeping. I watched some things in the leadership that began to trouble me, but I tried to just ignore them. Knowing what I know now I can say that it doesn't surprise me at all that this pastor was deceived into preaching a false gospel. I learned that he'd had some major trauma in his young life, including sexual abuse, and had never really gone through the healing process that he needed. And he also exhibited some narcissistic personality traits. I can look back and see it now, but certainly didn't have a clue at the time when I was experiencing it. I didn't see the forest with the trees. There were really two defining moments during our stay at that church, if you want to call it that, that proved we'd made a huge mistake in putting our trust into this quote unquote shepherd. One was when our daughter, who was in her late 20s, began to date another young man in the congregation. The pastor wasn't in agreement, even though parents on both sides were not against it in any way. We actually thought they were a pretty good fit for each other. When we didn't go along with his decision, he went into a tirade and pronounced our daughter publicly a Jezebel and excommunicated her from the church, telling everyone that they could no longer associate with her that just completely broke my heart and began to sour me on his leadership style. So when he began grooming the congregation of about 75 people to start increasing their tithes because he was only taking $4,000 a month in salary and that just wasn't quite enough, I was alarmed. Again, because I did the books. I knew what he was being paid and it was over $2,000 more than he claimed to the congregation. I finally worked up the courage to respectfully confront him on the blatant lie that he was telling. He completely went ballistic. So I went back with a witness and unfortunately got the same response. So can I just stop here and say, if you have a pastor who is unwilling to be humbly questioned about something they said or challenged on a doctrine or decision, can I just say, run away as fast as you can. This is the antithesis of humility and should not be tolerated. When I was met with hostility instead of repentance for the lies and manipulation and abuse of the sheep, I was left with only one option, and that was to expose the truth to the congregation, which pretty much resulted in a complete scattering of the sheep. A few people stuck with the false shepherd maybe for a couple of years after being manipulated, on and on. They started seeing the light. They finally walked away as well. But I'm ashamed to admit that I took no time at all to slow down, stop, and ask the Lord, what just happened here? How were we so deceived? How could we have believed that this man had the truth when he was a liar, manipulator, and one who abused the sheep under his care. I didn't slow down, be still, and even ask God for a response. I didn't allow God to show me how this man appealed to my pride with his favoritism. Also, because the house church message made us feel like we were on the inside track to the truth that most others did not know about, that made us special. Oh, how it makes me sick to think I was so easily played and manipulated. But instead of asking the Lord for help in understanding the deception we believed, we just merrily went on our way into another grand deception. So here we were, prime targets once again for the enemy. I'd already begun down the road with the grand finale Satan had for me, and I'm sure the enemy of my soul was sure would be the final nail in my proverbial emotional and spiritual coffin. The year before we moved down to Enumclaw, I met Carla Williams at a writer's conference at Wheaton College She was actually helping the director run the conference, so her position gave her a level of credibility. She started telling me about her pastor husband who had an edgy message, and it was for the church. And really, most traditional publishers wouldn't be interested in it, but she knew I would see the value in his message as it was in reality about loving God with all your heart. Can you see here, right from the beginning, she was already appealing to my pride with that flattery. That's called grooming, people. So about the time we moved down to Enumclaw, we just started working on publishing 5,000 copies of that edgy, manuscript by self-proclaimed pastor Tim Williams. It was based on Luke 14, 26, where Jesus says anyone who wants to be his disciple must hate his mother, father, sister, brother, wife, children, yes, even his own wife. Williams went on in his manuscript to make the case for hating for Jesus, placing great importance on a lifestyle of ignoring what the most important people in your life had to say about your decisions, as long as you thought you were being obedient to Christ. Then and only then were you pleasing to Jesus and a disciple. It all seemed very extreme, but everything he said, he had one verse of scripture to back it up. So I typically felt stupid or I questioned if I was ever really saved. This doctrine was so far off. What I'd learned were the ways of Christ, but because he quoted scripture for everything he said or did, he had to be right. Again, we were being groomed to dismiss anyone who did not agree with his doctrine and manuscript. Because we were convinced we were being obedient to Christ by publishing his book. Even the editor raised red flags on his theology and begged us not to go through with the publishing. But we ignored those red flags, convinced this man was called of God. Oh no, not even close. In fact, he was the opposite called by the enemy of my soul and it would be almost 13 years before I would figure out just how wrong I was about him. Have you ever been convinced of someone's sincerity and integrity and motives only to find out you'd been played, deceived, and manipulated quite strategically? Oh my, how humiliating it feels to realize you've been duped. But oh, how we need to be humbled when we've allowed ourselves to be deceived by the evil one. Whew! Well, hey, thanks for joining me today. I look forward to connecting with you next week on Redeemed and Restored. And as usual, I'd sure appreciate it if you would do the drill. Like, follow, share, and comment on this episode. I'd love to connect with you and Just get a sense to what God is showing you through my retelling of my story. My name is Athena Dean Holtz, and this is Redeemed and Restored. So thanks for joining us today on the Redeemed and Restored podcast, brought to you by Athena Dean Holtz and the Romans 828 Bookstore, a division of Redemption Press. I'd love to have you review and share this podcast with friends, family, and others who could use the encouragement. And be sure to check out my YouTube channel at Athena Dean Holtz for more tips and tools to help you find the faithfulness of God. So thanks for joining us today. See you next week for another episode of Redeemed and Restored.